Hi, this is Pastor Austin from Connection Church. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our services, you can go to ConnectionNYC.com or check us out at ConnectionNYC on Instagram. Hope you enjoy it and hope to see you soon. Good morning. Good morning. I'm glad to be here. I hope you are too. One of my favorite movies of all time is The Matrix. Anybody seen The Matrix? Yeah, it was revolutionary. Um, Not just Matrix revolutions, but it was revolutionary for its time in CGI uh, it was a, just a very cinematography, cinema, cinema, what, it, was, it was great. Right? I don't know the right word I'm saying, but it was a marvel of its time. What I loved about it was the story of it. That there was this matrix, is, is this fake world that the machines have created in order to keep your minds um, distracted from what was really happening. It's like a fake world. And so it was just a cool story. And there was one part where Neo is the the savior of the, of the story. If you, anybody not seen The Matrix, this is be homework assignment for you. If you haven't seen The Matrix, go The Matrix. Go watch this movie. It's really cool. Uh, but so Neo, I won't spoil it too much, but it's been 20 years, so you deserve to have this spoil. Um, so Neo is the, the hero of the story, right? So he is in training, trying to go back into The Matrix and to, to figure things out. So they go into this um, this created program that simulates the Matrix. So he, he's in there and he's fighting Morpheus, who's his mentor, and uh, Morpheus is a very key uh, figure too. He's fighting against them training, all right? They're sparring. They're not fighting. They're, spa- they're, they're sparring. They're training. And Neo gets just worn out, all right? And Morpheus, he just can't beat Morpheus. And he's... Morpheus starts to ask him questions. It's like, you know, this and that. And then he asks him this question. He says, do you think that's air you're breathing right now? And I was like, whoa. I mean, like everything was so fake. And so the breath that he was consuming in that simulation wasn't his real breath. That was a figment of his imagination, not where his real body was. And so I thought about, wow, that is really cool. And so today we're talking about the breath of God and how... Breathing is a, is a sign that God is working in our lives. So if you ever wonder, is God really moving in my life right now? If you're breathing, the answer is yes. That he's given you breath in your life. That you are alive. You are alive because God has given you breath. So if you're ever wondering, just take a breath. I'm glad it's weird. You didn't know I was preaching on breath this morning. And you asked people earlier to take a breath. A month of rest in August, right? Nice. And that's what I was going to talk about too, is that we need to take a breath and say, God is God. He's true to what he says. He's true to what he is. He's true to who he is. And so we're going to look at three things this morning about the breath of God. And it has to do with the spirit of who God is, or the spirit of God as well. The spirit of God is who gives us breath and we're going to see uh, the life-giving spirit of God, the life-transforming spirit of God, and the life-renewing spirit. So it's going to see giving, transforming, and renewing. The first one is we can look in Genesis chapter 2 and, and see where it all began. Genesis means it's the beginning. And in Genesis chapter 2 verse 7, it says, Then the Lord formed a man from the dust. And this man was called Adam. 
from the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. So God, in this creative process, did something brand new. He didn't create mankind, and you know he created man and woman. He didn't create them the same way he created the world. Something different was with them. He breathed his breath into them. He gave them life. So Adam came into existence because of God's creative work. He would not exist the way he did without the breath of God, just like we would not exist. He is the breath of life. So it's this combination of dust and this combination of spirit that created mankind. And humanity shares the same breath with Adam. Eve, same breath. Every human after that has that same breath of God shared. It's this humanity, this um, reality that we are created by God, that we share, we are created in his image. Whether we acknowledge God as our God and are born again, we'll talk about that in a minute, is to be determined. What isn't to be determined, what has already been determined, is that every human is made in the image of God. We're created in the image of God. So there's this life-giving spirit that God gives to us from the very beginning, and that is sustained throughout the story of Scripture. So that's the life-giving spirit of God. He breathes into us. The second one, this is going quick, right? (laughs) The second one is this, this life-transforming spirit. So life-giving and life-transforming spirit of God, where we see the breath again. Do you remember in uh, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? Uh, you're nodding already. You don't even know what I'm talking about yet. Maybe, maybe it's a deep deep track thing that you don't even know about, but you know, you know oh, this part. You remember. also remember. So it's, uh, it's toward the end, and all these uh, creatures are in, turned into stone. And Aslan is walking through, and he's they're, they're dead. They're gone. They're in the stone. So how did he bring them back to life? He breathed on them, didn't he? And they, the stones started to crumble away and they turned into flesh again. Well, there's a, you know, C.S. Lewis is inspired, obviously. If you didn't know this, this is, should be a spoiler alert. Is inspired by scripture. That's why Aslan is Christ. And so in uh, Ezekiel chapter 37, we see a vision that's, that's given uh, here. And I'm just going to read. There's several verses here. We're going to start in chapter 37, verse 1. It says, The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord, and he set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. You, you probably know this scripture. He led me back and forth among them, and I, I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. Not just dry. They were very dry. And he asked me, son of man, can these bones live? And that seems impossible. It's like those stone creatures. They can't live. They're stone. And I said, sovereign Lord, you alone know. Like only you know, God, if they can live. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones. Hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you. And you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then 
you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. This reminds me of a couple weeks ago when we talked about the, the faithfulness of Moses. He was fearful, even that faithfulness, the fearful obedience. So he did what I was commanded. And so I prophesied as I was commanded. I did what God told me to do. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them. But there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as, they, as he commanded me and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. And then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. There's no more hope. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. My people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, you will know that I am the Lord. When you open your graves and bring you, when I open your graves and bring you up from them. Isn't that crazy? It's just a crazy vision, right? I will put my spirit in you and you will live. I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken. And I have done it, declares the Lord. I mean, yeah, something like that happens. I think you're going to know he's the Lord, right? That's an amazing vision that God gives to do the impossible. It's most likely a vision that is being given here. It's probably not a, a, an event that actually happened, but it's like a vision that God had given to this prophet. But the vision is telling a truth that God would make breath enter the bones of the deceased just like you know, the, the non-alive, right? Just like Adam was not alive in the beginning and God breathed life into him. He says, I'm going to do the impossible. When I do this, you're going to know I'm going to transform you from dead to living. So Israel, at this point, and when this prophecy came, they were in captivity. There were some bad things happening. And I think many times, I know in my life personally, when things go awry, it is easy for me to think that God's not paying attention, that he's not working, and... It is easy to be in a, not praising him. All right? So much of the scripture is written at a time when God's people were not flourishing. So we shouldn't read through this, I will extol the Lord at all times. I just praise will always be on my lips. And you know, we see even the, and that's Old Testament stuff. You know, a lot of a lot of stuff in the Old Testament is pretty pretty tough to read. You read that like that's in the Bible. <laughs> And then you get to the New Testament and you see the same thing happening with persecution and uh, uh, disciples, apostles being killed for their faith. And um, Paul and Silas are put in prison for their faith. And what are they doing in prison? You know this. They were singing. You know, I, I don't know. I, you know, 
Maybe I would have seen if I were if I were in their position. Let's say we would all be singing with them. I want to speak faith over us. We would do the same thing. But that's amazing they were doing that. They were in captivity, but like unburied skeletons, the people were in a state of living death. They were, they were living in death. They were, there was no end to their situation in their sight. Like they didn't see a way out. They thought their hope was gone. They thought they were cut off forever. And so the reviving of the dry bones signified God's plan for Israel's future restoration. Like, I'm going to bring you out of this. There's a future coming where you will have life and you will be restored. So the vision showed them this new life depended not on their power, but on whose power? On God's power. They were dependent on God's power, not the circumstances of the people, but the circumstances God would cause in the future. And so this breathing of God's spirit into the dry bones showed that God would not only restore them physically, which he would do, but also spiritually. I'm going to revive you. So the, the Hebrew word there for, uh, for, for breath is used in other places too. It's actually in Genesis chapter 1 verse 2, which is the second verse of the whole Bible, right? It says, the earth was formless, void, and darkness covered, it was formless and void, and darkness covered the face of the deep, while the wind from God, or the Spirit of God, swept over the face of the waters. So what it, it's talking about that the wind, the breath, is the Spirit of God. It appears in the midst of confusion, uncertainty, and God's Spirit is even there in our times of hopelessness. God's life-transforming Spirit is breathed into us. And the third one is this. So you have life-giving, life-transforming, and the third one is life-renewing. The renewing Spirit of God. I was uh, 11 years old at one time. It may be hard to believe, but I was. And I was in the truck with my brother. He was six years older than I am. We were excited that summer. He was 17, I was 11, because my dad had decided to restore a pool table in our den, all right? You say den here? See, den's in the north? Okay, we say supper a lot there, too. All right, so uh, we had a, a den, and he was restoring this pool table. We were super excited about it because it was you know, going to have a, a pool hall in our house, right? So we were going back and forth in the days leading up to the restoration to the pool hall in town where we would go and put our quarters in and play pool. We were driving in and um, in this curve and had a wreck. Our truck lost control and we spun around to where we were looking back up the hill which we were coming, so it like spun all the way around this way, hit the ditch, rolled, and hit a tree. And the tree smashed all the way in on my side, like on the passenger side. So this is one of those odd times where if you were wearing a seatbelt, it would have killed me. If I were, this was back before seatbelts. You could ride in the back of the truck back then. It was the good old days, right? <laughs> and so I was in the, the, the passenger seat and it smashed all the way in. It smashed the entire seat. The tree came in right on the door and went all the way to the center console. I will, I, you know, anybody been in a wreck? You know, yeah. It, 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 for me, it was a very uh, dreamlike experience where adrenaline's going and it just seems like a bad dream is just separated from reality. And I remember kind of this weird thing happening and kind of my moment of clarity was I was sitting in the, I was in the floorboard of the passenger side, which was weird that I'm there. I believe God saved me, honestly. I believe there was an angel helping me out. 
I mean, if you just want me to get spiritual on you, because I, I should have been dead. And I'm, I'm looking up, and my brother's there, and we have to crawl out of the back of the window because the doors are all, they won't close, or he just won't open. And we crawl out of the back, and we get out. So the point of the story is this. I'm, are, you good? are you good? Good. Our neighbor actually pulled up next to us. Uh, Mark is his name. And he pulled up, and he's like, you guys okay? Like, yeah, we're okay. And I'm, I can't catch my breath. You know, I just, I'm just feel like I can't breathe. And finally, he says, well, you're, not, you're not breathing good. I like, I'm fine. I just can't catch my breath. Well, let me take you to the ambulance. Because, you know, the ambulance in a small town, Arkansas, back then especially, was volunteer. So it was faster for him to take me there because there was no 911 <laughs> where we were. So he drove me to the ambulance people, and they get me into the ambulance. They take me to the hospital. What had happened was my lung had been punctured. So not from a stabbing, but like a, like a balloon. If you just like popped a balloon, it would pop a hole in it. So the impact somehow punctured my lungs. That's why I wasn't breathing good. So they put a, I have a little scar right here still. They put a tube in to the chest cavity to drain fluid and let my lung heal and do breathing exercises. But I remember just no matter how much I breathe, I just couldn't get that oxygen. The same kind of thing happened during COVID. I had like a panic attack. Uh, I felt like I couldn't get oxygen in oxygenated is that a word i'm going to use it we're going to i think that's i couldn't be oxygenated <laughs> uh, and so breath is vital to our existence if we cannot breathe we cannot live and so it's also renewing for us too that god's spirit renews our spirit the life renewing spirit we see in john chapter 20 the very end of, of the gospel of john again in chapter 20 verse 21 again jesus said peace be with you so sometimes I, I read the scripture and i look back and i think man the disciples had it easy they 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 saw jesus of course they were willing to die for their faith because you were dead and now you're back alive so i don't really care what the world thinks i i believe you i'm going to go 100 percent I don't go 110% because that's mathematically impossible. All right? I just, I, I, I fight against that. I'm going to go 100%. I'm going to do this. But what we need to realize is through their lens, when Jesus said this, even though he'd been resurrected for a while, for a few days, right? When he said this to them, it was a traumatic event for them. They were troubled. They killed Jesus. He came back to life. But what's going to happen to me? So he says, peace be with you. And I know we pass the peace in church, like peace be with you, peace be with you. But for him, he was, he was really trying to say, peace. This is, this is going to get really rough. This is rough right now. It's going to get rough too. And I'm giving you peace. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And like, whoa, well, you died. <laughs> and, and you're going to send us out. I am sending you. And then in verse 22, and with that, Jesus breathed on them. And we see this again in Genesis. God breathed into the nostrils of Adam. In Ezekiel, we see that God breathed and the dry bones came to life. And here Jesus is breathing on them. And he says, receive the Holy Spirit. So the breath of God and the Spirit of God are always connected. Receive the Spirit of God. This is a remarkable passage. The 
there's a few views here that what is Jesus doing when he breathes on them? Is And so one of them is that Jesus was promising that I'm going to send the Spirit to you. And in Acts chapter 2 is where we see the Spirit of God coming to the church and filling the all believers. Another view is that it was actually at this point he did a full outpouring of the Spirit uh, prior to Pentecost. Like he gave them a special anointing of the Spirit. Uh, and the third view is that the giving of the Spirit is an act of recreation. And so he just breathed spiritual life into them, like being born again. All right? So, <clears throat> Jesus, there, there's a context here. Uh, the verses preceding this say the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked. For Do you know why they locked the doors? Do you know who they were fearful of? It says they were, they were, feared, they were fearful of the Jews. They were afraid that they were going to have the same end that Jesus had. There was fear. There was ambiguity. We don't know what's happening here. They felt our life has come to an end. This is a similar story to Israel. Israel felt this way. They forgot what Jesus had promised them. And so then Jesus comes to them in that fearful moment and says, Peace be with you. And they rejoiced. And then he breathed on them. He said, Receive the Spirit of God. And it's directly associated with Genesis 2, chapter 2, when God breathed life into Adam. My point for all of us today is that in our context of uncertainty, when we go through life and we're questioning, we feel like maybe there's no way out of this situation or life in general. Be reminded that God has instilled his breath into you. He's giving and has given you life. God can change any situation in your life. That's what Ezekiel shows us. He can change the impossible into possible. The dry bones can receive life through his spirit. And the third thing is that God is renewing you by his spirit. This is his promise to you. It's not just to the disciples that Jesus breathed on, but we see through Acts chapter 2 that God gave his Holy Spirit to everyone who will call on the name of Jesus. And so I want to invite you to breathe this morning. If you could just take a deep breath. When you feel that this is a... Uh, let's listen to a podcast with a psychologist. I don't want to um, say exactly who it is because I don't want them to, you know get all this fame and glory from this podcast that might be on the air for a few people to see. Anyway, I just do a podcast. And one of the things that, this one of the recent ones was this person was struggling with anxiety and she had this person breathe. She said, I want to hear you breathing out loud. I want you to exhale longer. And it calmed her down. It changed her perspective. She said, in, I just get so worked up and I got just breathe. Just stop and breathe. It's so, it's so simple, but so profound. God is inviting us to breathe his breath in this world and inviting us to anticipate him bring, bringing order into our chaos. It may not happen on our timetable. We may not see order this side of heaven, but order is coming. It is promised, and it cannot be taken away. The inheritance God has secured for us through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is guaranteed. In a world that is filled with hate, 
God is calling us to breathe a life of love. Will you pray with me? Lord, I pray that we would find our comfort and solace in you. Lord, I even more than just comfort, I pray that we would find strength and peace in your presence. So Lord, just as you breathe life into Adam and you breathe your spirit into our lives to renew us and transform us and renew us, Lord, I pray, God, that we would take moments throughout our days every day and just breathe and remind ourselves that you are the God of life, that you are the one who does the miraculous, you are the one who cares about us more than anyone else, and even in the midst of tragedy, you provide a promise to your people. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to be your people, in Jesus' name.